Hello, Rooster Teeth fans. Welcome back to part two of our RTX panel right here on Rooster Team Radio. I'm one of your hosts, the Internet's Mark Budonik, and I'm joined by a phenomenal panel, starting with, of course, Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And the returning Stacey Shuttleworth. Hello, hello. We got the full squad for this show. It's it's been a minute. It has. And it's it's wonderful to to hear from everybody. Goodness gracious, what is time? We're already coming to the end of September. What time is made of circles and that is why talks around. Stop. Just Oh, I had a moment today where I was discussing NaNoWriMo with someone, the National Novel Writers Month, oh. which takes place in November. And my brain was like, oh, yes, it's November. And then they went, yeah, it's next month. And I went, what? Next <laughs> month is November. <laughs> no, they, it's they, not. They were already looking forward Might to the well we're be. pretty much in October anyway bit. But nah. it's like, what? Guys, <laughs> look, what? I know the what? passage of time is weird and scary, but I'm going to tell you right now. Don't. Period. Stop don't. thinking about Stop. tomorrow. <laughs> It'll soon be here. It, it's fine. Terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Phenomenal. Uh, and I thought you hated puns. I, that, that's a song lyric. It's not a pun. <laughs> yeah, that's not a pun. That's a reference. But uh, we're we're coming back for the second week of RTX. It's weird to have everything so stretched out, especially with the sort of stretching out of the news and headlines that were coming out. So this panel may be a little bit, or this part of the panel may be a little bit shorter when it comes to discussing news and things of that nature, because it was a lot of holding your breath for 45 minutes and then exhaling and going, that was it. That was fun, though. So, I mean, before... we're going to be talking about red versus blue, so there is no guarantee of shorter because I'm on this panel. But we've also got to <laughs> we've also got to save some of that for RVB recall when the show actually starts in a couple of weeks. I don't think you understand how many opinions I have versus episode recap. As many, there are many. As many as there are seasons, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, easily double. Per minute. Have, have you met me? I have multiple opinions per season. I have multiple opinions on this season, and we've seen 20 minutes of it. Fair enough. Before we got started on week two, though, Stacy, because you, were, uh, you weren't here for part one, I just wanted to ask, and, and we didn't get any of your opinions on any of the stuff that we talked about, so do you have any lingering thoughts from week one of RTX? Indiscriminate screaming about Ruby? i mean yes always uh, again back to it as you know per usual uh (laughs) yeah i am getting used to the way they were holding rtx this year was interesting especially trying to catch panels live as i was also actively at work so here i am sitting at my desk trying to watch a panel and also like answer phones as they came in uh wouldn't quite recommend it. it. It it took a lot of like rewatching things to actually catch things. Or someone someone on Twitter would be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they just announced this." I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> that was fun. Uh, but so, yes, Ruby, uh, I'm super excited to see the continuation. Um, I think Katie was calling it, you know, our our Lord of the Rings trilogy. 
full in full effect here. Yes. And that is what it feels like. Uh, And actually, one of the panels that I had the most fun watching was the Scholastic panel (laughs) announcing all of the books because books all the time. Uh, She says that she's still trying to finish after the fall. (laughs) Hashtag same. Uh, I'm I'm like two thirds of the way through now. I've been reading it on my lunch every day. It's it's a process. (laughs) Coco being the only non-useless lesbian in canon gives me life in that book. I mean, there had to be at least there had to be at least one, right? Somewhere, yeah. And there she is. We've found her. (laughs) And you know what's exciting though? Uh, after our show last week, Katie ordered the fairy tale book and it has arrived. Ooh. So that's sitting, waiting for me to get my paws on it. And I'm really, really, really happy about that. Nice. Honestly, I'm just thrilled that E.C. Myers did all of the fairy tales in Animal Crossing. Like, I saw so that and I yelled. cute. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that panel was just filled with so much joy. And having these Ruby books is so fun. I say, I'll read them all eventually. <laughs> and you I'm just so, like having them in your hot little hands. Right, I, right. I just like to hold them. I have them in my possession. <laughs> that's that's half the battle, right? I co- yes. <laughs> book collecting and actually work. reading is two separate hobbies. Corporeal yes, book holding. Books work. I, I think. Uh, I think maybe one time when we were at Guildhall, we might have had this discussion. But like. Are you like me in that you like owning a lot of books, but you hardly ever read any of them? Um, like, that is my life. Really, really guilty about that one. <laughs> Look, and it's it's like gone above and beyond just owning physical books. I now have discovered Libby on, uh, you know, the lending library. And I just I just rent books. I'll loan books from the library and I'll be like, yeah, I'll read this. Yeah, I'll read this. You have it for two weeks. You have 12 books out right now. You're not going to read all of these. <laughs> yeah, but I have them right now. It's a trial. I can, I can totally understand that. We finally got a new bookshelf for this state. And slowly filling it up with books is like, yeah, but we can get more books. Oh, if, Mark, if every Mark. corner is not filled, what are you doing? Mark, buy some Discworld books. They're amazing. Ooh. Well, I mean, it's it's also mostly pop figures, and that's what we have the most of. <laughs> okay, but the, it, buy some Discworld books. Not kidding. I, I, I've told a few friends this fact, but this is not a widely known thing about me. But we, we have a couple bookshelves here in the apartment that are filled to the brim with books. We have three. Um, well, well, in terms of like, you know, what we, what we have room for. But I have more books than I have room for on the bookshelves. So where I have put the remainder of my books from our various moves across different places in LA, I'm just like, oh, I'll have room for these eventually. I'll get another bookshelf. Well, I haven't. So in the meantime, they've gone underneath my bed. So every night I go to sleep on my bed atop a pile of books like a dragon does with gold. I'm sorry, that sounds like life goals to me. <laughs> there's there's a universe where that's how you read books. Uh, it's not I this one. So but much there is more one. productive. Le- so legit. It's 
it's just I've become a book dragon. And my my intention with that was it was at first like, oh, this is just a placeholder until I get another bookshelf. But no, it's become my way of life for the last three years. <laughs> you could do what I did and go through your books. No. no come on. <laughs> I did that. You can't throw no. books away. Hold on. Don't hey, come yeah, back. Hey, hey, no one ever said throw. It's give. A dragon oh, hoards okay. gold. Megan hoards books. Look, I feel that on a very deep level. Then you're responsible for buying another shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so all I'm but saying is like on the floor. We could have, you know, people people donate, open up your wallets. Let's let's get Megan some more bookshelves. This is a this is a real a real issue that we need to discuss. <laughs> Getting well, to the thanks. truth of the matter. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that this is a safe space, and I'm glad that I was able to admit that to you guys without judgment. Oh, I didn't say that there wasn't judgment. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we should move on. Speaking of judging, let's talk about Genlock. No. Um, <laughs> well. Whoa. <laughs> Was there anything else from week one that you that that caught your eye? Was it the the scholastic one that was just so delightful? It it was, and you know we we will go back to Genlock because um (laughs) that book too. Uh, just meeting the author and kind of hearing her take on things and knowing a little bit about where she came from. I am very excited about this upcoming book and to dive back into that world. Agreed. That's October sixth. So soon. Might get to it by the end of the year. And it's also ten bucks. Like, I don't know if anybody's yeah. if anybody listening has looked it up, but that's ridiculous. Ten dollars for an expansion of the Genlock world. I got the the trade, the comic trade paperback, and it's all Kazu essentially, Kazu centric. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm excited to rip into that. But I want to finish that before I get Storm Warning. But I definitely want to get Storm Warning, so I'm starting with the comic. <laughs> So go to bookshop.org because it supports local bookstores and order your copy from there or get it directly from your local bookstore. Or beat up Jeff Bezos and get $15 and then no harm, no foul. If I was going to beat up Jeff Bezos, I'd be taking a hell of a lot more than $15. $15 million. Yeah, that. Now you're talking. Support your local bookstore and eat the rich. And eat the rich. (laughs) Woo! There's a message that we support. It's that. So (laughs) speaking of Genlock, uh, we got this wonderful season two writer's room panel that the only thing that I would change about it is the technical side of it because there was this echo from, uh, I believe, the head writer's room that just sort of marred the whole experience and made it difficult to listen to but there was some interesting topics that they were discussing whether it was um how they were working in the pandemic how uh the micro conflicts between the team bleed out into the macro conflicts but there there was some soft information in here what what was everybody's main takeaway let's start with you stacy so one of the things I liked meeting this group of people and kind of seeing them all uh, interact with each other and getting an idea for how kind of tuned in to a Genlock and this this wild sci-fi world that can be inspired by so many previous, I mean, animes, cartoons, 
and just how eager they seemed to put it all together and to make something new and special. And also how frank we were about discussing diversity and the needs that Genlock was was coming in to fulfill and what had been set up with the first season. It seemed like we had a lot of threads out there and they seemed very eager to sweep in and, and make use of those threads, make very good use of all of this intro little bits and pieces that we were given in season one and really build a compelling world out of it. I totally agree. The only thing that I was hoping for, especially after hearing the scholastic panel was, and we're going to be including bits from the stories that you're going to read in storm warning and in the trade paper. Like that was the only thing that I was hoping they would confirm is that these between the season stories are a part of the lore similarly to how like a star wars expanded universe you'll see a character from the comics here or there and even if it's even if it's just like a cameo or whatever that was for how tuned in they were i was just hoping for that little bit more Uh, what about you megan uh, I have to concur with what Stacy had to say. It was really cool uh, just hearing them all vibe together and talk about the process of, of working and collaborating together. You could definitely tell that they were all on the same wavelength and um, that every person in that writer's room appreciated the thoughts and perspective of everybody else in that writer's room. Uh, my big takeaway uh, was actually something that you tweeted out, Mark, talking about how um, there were a lot of different inspirations for what's coming down the pipe for season two. Uh, David Cronenberg's name came up and I was just like, wait, what? And, you know, in addition to anime and YouTube video essays. And it's just like, what? those are all things that I watch and listen to. And those are all going to be inspiration for what we're getting in season two. And I don't know um, how tuned into the horror world a lot of our listeners are, but for the people who don't, who maybe don't necessarily know, David Cronenberg is the person behind the 1980s remake of The Fly, and his name is synonymous with body horror. Uh, so given that, I'm like, ooh, Genlock season two, are you going to give me more horror things? Hooray! I love that. Terrifying. but i'm I'm happy that you're vibing like it seems like the inspirations that they were talking about there's a lot of anime inspiration they talked about akira as well um there it's a wide berth of nerddom and techno I'll, i'll even say techno horror but just technology as a bane of existence that can that's like a a dual sided sword it can hurt you it can it can heal you what no it can cut you either way (laughs) it'll heal you for negative damage double-edged blade (laughs) yes um but yeah i i really love just seeing the passion that's there um because everybody who was in that room seemed really excited for the opportunity to be able to be in that room and write about the things that they love and honestly i like I have a lot of respect and admiration for people who absolutely adore what they do. So it was a joy to watch them. Once once we got past the technical issues of that that echo that made it hard to get into for the first 10 minutes or so, um, 
once we got past that, their uh, their passion and enthusiasm really shone through, and it was a it was a lot of fun to watch. That was the theme for some of the panels that I ended up being the most hyped for was that all of the people on screen, even Dorian who led this panel, everybody was just so excited to jump back into this world. And I was really excited to see Evan Narcisse return as a writer as well. He was announced when Genlock was announced at RTX, however many years ago that was. But to see him still in the writer's room is wonderful. And the rest of this group looks like they they really gelled and are going to make this next season, whatever it might be, something that we'll never forget. Shout out to Dorian, too, for doing an excellent job moderating the panel. Woo. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Dor- Katie, what was your lasting impression? I couldn't get past the echo. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's I a lasting impression. tried, I gave it 10 minutes, and then I went, I can't do this. I just can't. My brain was actively tuning it out in self-defense, and I was trying to do it while working. All of these panels happened during my day job, and that was when it was just like, I can't. The brain is doing too many things, and the brain says no, so I had to turn it off. That's a shame. I really hope that somebody can go through, whether it's RT or unofficially, and tune this up so that more people can enjoy it, because it was a good panel once you take the tech issues away. The only sort of information quote unquote that we got was the head writer sort of gave a soft eight episode at 24 minutes long mention when they were talking about the writing process and everybody was just kind of laughing it off so me with my you know red yarn conspiracy (laughs) board was like that's a soft confirmation that's gotta be it conspiracy corner I mean, <laughs> he's over there now. He's putting the board together. Genlock's conspiracy Lock. corner. It, it took there. a long time <laughs> to ship all the way over to Orlando, man. Like that was most <laughs> of my last apartment. Mark, once you've gotten over there, you're going to be there for a bit. Do you want us to make you some tea? Oh, don't worry. I won't. I won't need any sort of sustenance once Genlock starts coming back in. Cause I'm going to be eating it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to finish storm warning and then I'm going to eat it. Please don't. Yeah, my takeaway from the panel was remember to plug your headphones in and remember to make sure that you are not getting any ambient noise or sound out of your speakers when you are on a Zoom call. This is your local IT human saying this. (laughs) Please, please, God, don't do that. What was that we were saying about how technology can help but also hurt? (laughs) Yeah, that two-sided medical sword. My entire (laughs) life. Uh, this wasn't the only Genlock news that we got, though. From the I Am Woman Hear Me Perform panel, we also got a confirmation of G.K. Bowes returning as Driana for season two. And that little nugget of a tease that was seeing Dri in the background of the ether and then all of the wild speculation that mostly I did, but that all of us... <laughs> that everybody was doing in regards to her character it's cool to to get it it feels more like season two is actually happening like we went through this drought of like are they gonna do do it and then variety put out the article about the writer's room we got the confirmation that the writer's room was gonna have a panel at rtx yada yada, etc etc we got this news and now it's like okay they're still invested in this world we've still got our original cast returning great this is actually happening. Did anybody else watch the I Am Woman Hear Me Perform panel? 
I did. Tell so tell us about it. It it seemed to be just a great session of VO actors. Yeah, getting that news was was definitely um something really enjoyable and and like like you said, any Genlock news is good news <laughs> at this point. Um but honestly, it's just nice hearing a bunch of voice actors uh gabbing about the craft. Like uh all 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 four of us have sat down and talked with um actors and writers and producers for like, like several years now. It's just nice hearing them talk about their their varying perspectives and experiences. Um and what I really liked about the panel is talking, you know, talking about their experiences in regards to representation. Um Caden in particular had a really inspiring story about just, you know, going going through changes in life and then all of a sudden you know working regularly as an as a voice actor and then going through a drought for a number of years and things picking up again more recently and um how that can be really hard and really difficult but you know if you really love the craft you have to keep persevering and i i thought that personal story was really inspirational and uh other people on the panel had similar experiences obviously for different reasons but you know it's just there was a lo- there was this great sense of camaraderie and fun and just this genuine love for doing what they were they do and it's it was in their enthusiasm was infectious and it was inspiring. You know, um, we, we've dabbled with some voice acting, you know, in the audio drama world here. So it was really inspiring and fun to just watch them gush about the, the work that they do. So it, it was great. In addition to the voice actor panel, I also uh, sat down to watch the RT Rainbow panel, which um, was really, really great because in the year of our Lord 2020, it's it's been a rough year. And what the uh, Rainbow panel mainly focused on was going through 2020 month by month and focusing on good news from each and every month. So like positivity has been really hard to come by in 2020. And so it was really, really great to sit and like pop into that panel and just enjoy the positivity. Um, you know, uh, you know, even again, it, it, it was, it's few and far between this year, but it was really great to see that be, uh, to just have a bunch of fun people sit down and talk about some good stuff this year. That's awesome. The rainbow panel is usually a highlight of the, like, non-major announcement panels so i'm happy that they had another opportunity or they keep getting the opportunity to have it uh the only i I watched a couple of the one-off achievement hunter panels there wasn't a lot that happened in them but i highly recommend because it is out in the world right now and everybody can watch it and you have to watch it the off-topic panel where fiona the if if you don't watch AH, the lead in RVB Zero, dressed up as Poe, because that's the character she plays as in uh, Trouble in Terrace Town whenever they play Gary's Mod, and it's she's on a completely different level, and it's some of the most entertaining podcasting or on camera stuff that that you will see. And if you want to get to know her as a person as opposed to her as an actor, highly recommend checking out off topic she's the thumbnail you can't miss it she's wearing sunglasses she has a cigarette in her mouth and she's holding booze it's pretty pretty out there 
That and just like some A plus chaos energy. Oh, her and Gavin <laughs> together is, are absolutely oh, ridiculous. No. Oh yeah, the Chung Shua. So don't worry about it. I'll fill you in later. But speaking of just unrelenting energy, one of my absolute favorite panels of this entire entire RTX was the recorded by Arizal panel. And this was this entire thing from Caden as the moderator to uh, everybody that was on the panel was just a love letter to the show and a a hope, a message to the world of, hey, we want to do this so much. But uh, Katie, I wanted to start with you. Did you have any major takeaways from this panel? Uh, for one, Caden is a fucking amazing moderator and was living her best life. Oh, yeah. Her transitions so, were ridiculous. Oh, my God. She was perfect. Um, what really stuck out to me... Uh, two things. One, the the photos of Arizal's friends and having the dorky contact photos in your phone. <laughs> I have a number of those. They're gloriously weird. And two, talking about the sheer number of people talking to Issa who would come to her and say, Arizal looks like me. That's yeah, representation huge. is so important. That's those were the two bits that really stood out to me. The hashtag rela- the three, I guess. Hashtag relatable. Uh, please hire Caden for more hosting gigs. Holy cow! And she looks like me as a continued refrain for Arisal. That's I love it. I love it so much. Stacy, what was one of yours? Man, this entire panel. I, I agree with everything Katie said. This whole panel was the most precious thing that I've seen in such a long time. And full disclosure, I have not watched these shorts yet. Uh, I've been putting them off for like when I just, because I know, I know they're going to be phenomenal. And this panel was so sweet. And so like, it made me so excited about the possibilities of this world and these characters. It's just cute. Everything was cute. And I think, one of my absolute favorite moments was when they introduced the t-shirt and they were talking about the inspiration for the design. It was like, I just wanted her to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I melted then. And that was, that was how I sat for the remainder of that panel. Agreed. What about you, Megan? Uh, I would like to reiterate basically everything that everybody else has said. Uh, it was absolute it was an absolutely adorable panel uh very well moderated uh getting to see all the cool concept art was something it it i always really appreciate getting to see concept art um of an any animated series like i have a couple like animated books that makes me really happy to look at like the the early sketches of stuff like that so seeing cool character concept art was really really cool and I honestly, I know that it was just a very short bit of the panel, but I really liked seeing um, the very, very short animation of Arizal out in the desert and like setting up the tent. And it's just, it was uh, like, even though it was just a teeny tiny bit of animation that they basically did as, you know, as just test footage, it was really 
having watched all the shorts now, it was really cool seeing Arizal out in the world, <laughs> like even in a in what was going to be a a very threatening situation very soon. But just like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and yay, the tents up! It's so cute, dude. <laughs> Our like, girls out there, man. Seeing seeing that clip and hearing Issa's voice come out of Arizal like was sort of this amalgam of how far she like Issa this it just proves how much of a passion project this was for her and that clip was the one that we first saw when they announced the slate earlier this year that's when it was a uh, record keeper before it was recorded by Arzal so to see how the show has evolved from that and could even possibly return to that is so uh, it's it's exciting but we all know how the world of production goes we know and and sorry if this is a trigger warning to some people but we know what happened with nomad and while that was a lot of different things happening at the same time we got to make sure to support this as much as we can they were very transparent about hey you should buy 20 of these shirts because it, <laughs> it it really looks like money is going to sell this one and despite having a little bit less of a or less of a required budget because of how the show is going to be shot and what the cameras are going to look like, what the sets are going to look like, et cetera, et cetera. Anything that could be done, whether it's social media or picking up the shirt or telling your friends about it, or I mean, Stacy, now that you've seen the panel and you're definitely going to watch it, that's already a plus, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent sold on it. The thing that will stick out to me, and will stick out to me forever is because, or is the th- is Isa attempting to make and probably succeeding to make the most perfect cinnamon bun in mm-hmm. Arizal when she mentioned that her design was influenced by Akko from Little Witch Academia yeah. and Deku from My Hero Academia, and uh, uh, you can see it. The second she said Akko, 100% I saw that. Oh, yeah. And then Deku on top of that was like, what are, you are mad with power. <laughs> so, Mark, I have to tell you, because in my notes, I wrote in all caps as she was saying Akko and Deku, and I wrote, so baby cinnamon roll? <laughs> <laughs> and that is literally the perfect the fusion paper. of academias. Oh, my God. Yes, just... Also, her realization of like though both those shows have academia in the title <laughs> was absolutely absolutely precious. And oh, uh, yes, just perfect, perfect, perfect. In any of our amongst all of our dealings with Rooster Teeth and the folks at all, Issa has always been one of my favorite people to talk to because she's so excited she brings so much energy and enthusiasm to any project that she's working on and now that she is helming this one i don't want that to to leave you know like i don't i i want her to get this fulfillment that she's been looking for and i think everybody in the world feels the same so it's one of those situations where you really do gotta reach reach into your heart slash wallet pick up one of those shirts, buy it for a friend of yours, buy it for a whatever. And th- it seems like the best possible way to give this show the best possible chance that it can. And the enthusiasm on this panel, even with no like concrete confirmation that there's anything else coming was a little fleeting. 
like for a Rooster Teeth panel, it usually ends with, and we have an announcement to make. You can see episode one of season one of, and we didn't get that. And it, I, I, I really hope that everybody can come together and make this dream a reality because it seems to be so personal for so many people. Yeah, and the proofs of concept that they showed us, the four little prelude episodes that we have are fucking brilliant. Honestly, they, I love them. They're wonderful. And so much of Arizal's behavior on camera speaks to me as a host, a vlogger, a reactor, someone who gets in front of the camera on the regular and sits down and tries to be presentable and doesn't always succeed. Like, it was so... <laughs> In a world where we have Instagram Live and we, we no longer have Vine, it's TikTok now. And just in a world where we are continually in front of either our own cameras or someone else's, this is massively relatable and cute as hell. And I need more. Yeah, Arzal is both charming and endearing as a character and seeing her interactions. Stacey, you gotta watch it. Seeing her interactions with the world and... uh her world specifically is so, as Katie said, relatable. And we, we all got to push together, pull together, come together words and make sure that this show can become a reality. Yes. We're all rooting for this. Come on. So let's make it happen. Speaking of something that is happening. And now Katie, we will have real reserve an extra hour for this next part. (laughs) To start. To start. To To start start with. If we go over, I'll just put it on the RVB recall channel. But um, (laughs) we had mentioned that we were going to talk a little bit more about the episode and the panel, which was uh, which which aired week two. So we're going to talk a little bit more about spoilers, a little bit more about previews. And because you host the Red versus Blue show, I wanted to start with you in terms of how has how have your thoughts from watching the first episode to watching the panel, how has ever how has that changed the scope of this show for you? Going into that first episode with the understanding that it was going to be separate from previous seasons, that it was a fresh start, and then walking in and immediately getting Wash and getting Carolina and going just that whiplash of, oh, it's not really a fresh start. We're still anchored to 17 years of canon, which isn't a bad thing, but the past three years of canon have been rough. So it was a little bit of whiplash and then immediately using the trope of, hey, remember those like really awesome people that we had? The villains are going to immediately destroy them so you know just how good the villains are. There's... There's a whole lot that kind of ran roughshod over the let wash rest attitude that a lot of the fandom has. And so going into that episode, coming out the other side, I was hype and I understood why they use those tropes. They are well-known tropes. They are useful. It's a really good villain introduction. But I was just tired. There, It was just exhausting bringing in all of that fandom history with it and that feeling and then going, okay, okay, we thought it was going to be one thing. It's another. We're torturing Wash again. That horse, okay, the horse hasn't been sent to the blue glue factory yet. Keep beating it. Like, that's how it felt. And then going into the panel, seeing all of the energy of everyone working on it. Like, I, for me, this would be the panel where I want to take this energy and have it in my everyday life. 
I loved the Arizal panel, but the red versus blue panel was just like, everything is hype and I adore it. But then they talked about how this season, for one, it's only eight episodes long. It's not the usual 12, 15, 17, however many we need. It's half that length, most likely. And that the pitch is red versus blue meets the fast and the furious. And for me, that was an adjustment and that was some context that I really needed. And for me, that really helped because the fast and the furious also is a franchise with a lot of history, a very specific set of tropes, all that stuff. So you take your RVB energy and your knowledge and you pivot it to fit with your fast and furious tropes. And suddenly everything we saw in that first episode makes so much more sense because we're not just working within the framework of red versus blue as it exists. It's red versus blue through a fast and furious lens. And that to me changed a lot. I am a lot more excited about this season now, knowing that that's the idea, knowing that that's where we're going. Uh, the anime influences, the Naruto influences specifically. I just, I really enjoyed this panel. I thought it was amazing. And I wish I had had the panel before I had seen the episode, because mm. I really do think that that would have changed my initial take on the episode. As it is, I'm very grateful that you suggested we talk about Red versus Blue after we get the full panel because, yes, it has adjusted my expectations and my take on the season, and I am much more excited for it now than I was after I watched that first episode. So I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, and even talking about that Fast and the Furious uh, allegory a little bit more, or reference a little bit more, comparison, that's the word. Hi, good morning. Um even with the Fast and the Furious movies, they hit after the first four, they pivoted to outrageous action film. So similarly to Red versus Blue of 17 seasons of a particular thing, boom, pivot. It's an even deeper sort of connection that they had. Torian, with his passion, if you weren't in on this show, I think Torian could lead that lead that entire cast and crew into whatever depths of storytelling he wants because his his dedication similarly to isa and they express it in different ways but the, his dedication to this project is going to be the absolute best thing that it could possibly be and i am so grateful to have everybody around me to be the perfect contributors to this project it, it sold me even more on the project, even though I was in, but it sold me even more on him as a creator and him as a person. And uh, pivoting from oh, that. Yeah, absolutely. Stacy, I know you're, you weren't ever in the RVB sphere, but just to, to ping you on some of the stuff that's been coming out, has anything caught your eye? I mean, I always see things that look interesting and, makes me think that I might dabble in it but the vast history at this point I mean what I know of RVB is like early stuff before it was like an actual concentrated show where I just thought they were funny shorts that like popped up every so often mm -hmm. legit welcome so to season very, one <laughs> yeah very far removed from from that world and it's just never really I guess Halo was always kind of on the fringes for me so it wasn't a series I dive like it didn't 
hit me in the adjacent way that it might have otherwise. Does the idea of it, of this being like a soft pivot point, I don't want to say reboot, but sort of like using the already existing universe, but telling a new story, does that do anything to pique your interest? Yeah, it does actually, because it does feel like, oh, maybe I can jump in now Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, actually watch some of this stuff and have a very distorted view of how far they've come. (laughs) (laughs) You should absolutely jump in fresh. No, I'm serious. Don't look anything up. Jump in fresh and then join us for the podcast and we will have an old versus new thing going on. <laughs> Actually, that sounds delightful. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's do it. Oh my gosh. I was, I was just about to ask, Stacy, have you seen, did you see any of the footage like um, from this first episode or, or the trailer floating around by any chance? You know what? I haven't yet, actually. Oh, I, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of a soft pitch uh, in that uh, a couple of the antagonists for this season, no joke, like, and there's always been like augmented abilities in red versus blue because of AIs. Um, but no joke, the augmented abilities that the antagonists seem to have in this first episode, no joke, straight up look like Ruby semblances. Okay, but it's oh, a yeah. joke. <laughs> Shut, up. Shut up. I'm trying to do a soft pitch. No joke. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, uh, I think Mark just sent you the link. Uh, I just put it in our group. Oh. Excellent. And I don't mean like right now, but just as a thing, because it's in our, it's in our preview or it's in our purview. Um, One of my favorite things that we're getting with this season that was sort of confirmed was that similarly to all the way back in season one, this was an internal project. Our stars, our, our leads are all from crew taken from rooster teeth from the various departments. They have a much bigger company to pull from these days, but I, that's sort of, the character the, the actors figuring the characters out as the show goes along is something that i think benefited red versus blue from the beginning as well and to hear fiona reach a certain understanding of uh agent 1 but like by the end of this season just how frankly she said in the panel i get her now she's me and to have that sort of understanding of that character is something that I can't I can't wait to watch that journey of. Similarly to Hannah with I call what did I call her? I called her Pinky, but what's what is Phase? Phase, thank you. With her knife talk, wife. I want to talk wife. about the villains in a knife minute. Knife wife. Let's go ahead. Oh, yes. hold on. That's what you had to say. So <laughs> I, have been, I have been calling her Knife Sombra because she throws a knife and then fucking teleports to it, and also she is like hot pink armor. But oh, um, yeah. everybody okay, in the panel was badass. calling her. Yeah, everybody in the panel was calling her knife wife. So, Mark, you finish, but I do want to talk about the villains. Well, it, essentially, just in the sense that we have these, we have this group similar, like going back a little bit on what I was saying about Torian. Torian having this utmost confidence in all of the parts and uh, all of the pieces of this puzzle coming together and making this such a rad show i think similarly to stacy i think anybody who hasn't jumped on to red versus blue this is going to be an amazing time to do that and then think of how much of a excuse me how much of a binge culture we have to where oh i have 17 seasons of the show 
cool i have homework now not to say that you have to do that stacy look honestly that's what i'm most afraid of (laughs) like that's what will happen i have no doubt about that and i just i've done that to myself so many times we can pick and choose some like primo episodes no 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 it's all or nothing go yeah no Stacy, the shorter seasons are like an hour and the longest season tops out at about three. It's not like watching seven seasons of Buffy or whatever. <laughs> it's uh, you can do it one season a night. You can do it in two weeks, give or take. But that let's focus like on challenge. let's focus on zero. <laughs> yes. Let's start with zero I and go from talk there. About, <laughs> I just going into these villains. One, I love the designs. They're completely bonkers. But we have Blue Armor named Diesel, voiced by Ryan, doing his full Mad King voice. We have Knife Sombra, whose name is Phase, and we have Zero with bright red armor, who is looking for an alien source of ultimate power, guys. They're a D&D group that basically went full murder hobo. That's basically it. That's what they are. That didn't land the way I'd hoped it would. <laughs> I mean, you're, it's just correct. Okay, good. <laughs> I appreciate the affirmation. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> this is the level 20 D&D group where the DM went, fuck it, you're the villains now, and had to put together another group of player characters to start over. The ultimate crossover. But we we also got a like the fact that this is like this is going to be more of like a Saturday morning cartoon slash popcorn flick. Like we're going to have these get hype moments, and it reminds me of early Ruby and Monty's season of Red versus Blue, where it was like, look at all of these different action scenes that we can put together, and the use of the Unreal Engine, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but the virtual camera everything coming together and still we're, we're getting mocap, but all of this stuff coming together to make this real pulpy and glowing action hybrid of a, of a wonderful new season of red versus blue. And I can't wait. The quote that I have in my notes is it's not the citizen Kane of RVB, but it does have fun action scenes. Like this is not season nine or 10 where it's deep lore backstory emotional pain etc this is like just turn your fucking brain off and let's go and i'm down for that i kind of need to turn my brain off and just go for this series especially i'm I'm interested i'm down these past couple of seasons have been so grand and grandiose and on a universal scale that to have this i mean i know we're talking about ultimate power in the universe but it's not a pantheon of gods so i i think that it might be a little bit easier to jump in we're talking about what the villain thinks is ultimate power in the universe yeah but like i wonder how are we gonna see santa like what (laughs) where honestly i just want him to go back to chorus i know there's probably going to be issues in getting locust to come back unless they recast him but my god what I wouldn't give for a Locust cameo on Chorus. Just give it to me. There, There's a lot of stuff that they could. Now that we know sort of how far they've gone so far, it still leaves a little bit open to what other, what other material they can dip into when it comes to oh, revisiting. But um, Megan, did you have anything else to... Because <laughs> I know your roommate... <laughs> 
Your roommate's been kind of going. Oh, but oh, am I still a part so. of this podcast? Oh, boo. <laughs> no joke, you are. Boo. Shut up. <laughs> no, uh, I I don't have much to add. I although I will say. I won't be turning my brain off for this. I think this looks fun, but not necessarily like mindless action fun, even though they mentioned like Fast and the Furious. This looks like it's a it's going to be a really fun time. And I I don't I don't I see part of my thing is that I didn't have a lot of the problems that Katie had with it <laughs> after watching the first episode. After watching the first episode, I was like, give me the next one, please. I really want it. And um and the panel did nothing to uh nothing to diminish that hype. It was just more hype and more hype and more <laughs> hype. Um it was cool getting to hear uh everybody talk about like just talking about the panel itself. It was cool getting to hear everybody talk about the audition process and talking about Hannah in particular uh you know auditioning for Faze aka Knifewife. Um apparently like she was perfect and that the only one who didn't have confidence in her audition was her yeah i wrote and, that down too what a what an awesome yeah. compliment yeah and, and like yeah it's just it i i believe this is like her is this her first yes. uh voice actor role it is yeah oh that's so i'm so it's such a nice heartwarming thing to hear yeah because she said that she wanted to start doing things that scared her as a measure of personal growth and you know going out for VO was evidently one of them. And I, I just appreciate that people talked about their audition process and then Torian's story every time was I was lying on the floor listening and then I heard them start and I got up on the couch. So evidently, if you can get Torian up on the couch while you're auditioning, you have done something right. Well, I can relate to that. as a, I, I haven't directed much, but when whenever it, it comes to performance and finding a character i use or or even sometimes when i'm just watching live theater i usually start the show with my eyes closed just listening to try to get a sense of the character through the voice and i really related to that because especially with this you're not going to be relying on the look as much like you will definitely be tying the armor to the voice but it's hearing the certain idiosyncrasies especially when being torian you know what the whole script is going to entail and you you need to you know how far people are going to need to go so i i love that he said that and i 100 percent relate i i i fell in love with torian even more as a director and as a creator in this panel i don't know if that's come across yet but (laughs) (laughs) yeah what a he i think i first saw him on like a uh one of the um charity streams where they were having like an amiibo death match and he was he was just starting from screw attack and he was just such a unique human being that i i'm so excited that he got a chance to pitch directly to matt and matt gave him the go-ahead like what what a wonderful like that that would be like somebody go i mean this doesn't necessarily work right now, but somebody going to Walt Disney and being like, hey, I have a new idea for Mickey. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's let's go to the cryogenesis facility and no. Dear, uh, all right. If you want to be, if you're that type of a believer. Oh boy. No, no, but it's a <laughs> really good joke. So I just keep going back to that well. 
Yeah. Also, to, can we can we touch on the music? Oh yes, I, I one of my favorite things about the music was he knew exactly who he wanted, and it's not like some big well-known rapper. Not to say that he's not, but uh, an artist by the name of Omega Sparks, who like most of the music that we've heard is on Spotify already. It's an album called Sleeping Giants. Highly recommend checking it out if you're if you're a hip hop fan. But the fact that it, it's another thing of let's give somebody an opportunity. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And Torian saying he curated it himself. Like, I love it. And the music fits so well with what we were seeing. I'm not always the biggest fan of rap, just personal taste, but I loved it. I loved it. I don't remember if this part of our conversation made it into last week's episode, but the scene with Zero, like we already we already have an idea of what Diesel can do. We already have an idea of what FaZe can do. But when Zero leaves them to torture Wash and comes up and just has that quick boom, boom, bam, boom, boom, like just a couple of quick things, no, low to no effort, and just sort of sn- like quick sweat off the brow, boom, like that whole song and sequence immediately to me sold me as, oh, this this guy's a bad man. And I I loved all of it. It was incredibly well done. Like I said, this episode was a fantastic villain in- villain introduction. Words. For all of them. No, dude, so say we all. Um, was there any other final thoughts about RVB before we move on? October 19th, eight episodes. Not all at the same time. It is a weekly release, and I'm glad they confirmed that. Yeah, thank goodness. Because that also was a little bit video. questionable. Yeah. Also, that video from Gus and Matt where they're like, hey, we've seen it. We love it. You're you're doing great. Just like, oh, leave me here. It was so, so nice. Yeah. Once Matt was in there, I was like, how? Who else is going to be jumping in? <laughs> yeah. Like, did we just get everyone? Are we getting that surprise Bernie cameo? No, no. But it was still really sweet. It's Eric. <laughs> it's me, Bernie. Good job, guys. <laughs> So moving on from here, the last bit that we wanted to talk to you before we get to our Q&A from our wonderful listeners is um, we got a piece of news during Backwards Compatible that Miles Luna has left Rooster Teeth. Now, I can imagine as a, as a writer, as a creative, as somebody who is helping run the animation department and somebody who is a salaried member of the Rooster Teeth staff. Now, as we've seen with some other people leaving the company, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're done. I mean, Kara hasn't been working for the company. Uh, Aaron hasn't been working for the company, and they're still voicing their respective characters. And we know that Miles is going to be voicing Jean. And it did bring up a couple of questions, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to the like some of the rumors and misinformation that had been that had been coming up. But upon hearing this news. What did y'all think, starting with Megan? Uh, well, I, I missed uh, the panel where they made the announcement. So I, I actually was just scrolling through Twitter and saw it pop up on my timeline. And my first, my very first thought was, what? Um, because, I mean, it, it, it's 
we've made it no secret. Like we're a big fan of his writing. Um, the work he's done for Ruby and the stuff he did for red versus blue is some of my favorite stuff that the series has done in its, you know, 17 seasons. Like he, he had a very, his seasons had a very distinct, uh, distinct air about them and they were great. And the stuff he's done for Ruby, you know, he's been with Ruby since the very beginning. It was, you know, Monty's series, but he and Carrie were, were there from the, from the get go for, uh, you know, from day one. And I think my first thought was, what does this mean for Ruby? And then my second thought was, you know what? Good for him. Because I like whatever, because it, 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 it sounds like this is, he's leaving to pursue other things, specifically freelancing um, and, and wanting to do I, what I assume is more voice acting stuff. Um, so my first thought was like, even though I was shocked, like deep down, I'm like, good for him because it's scary to leave. Uh, it's scary to, to jump out into the unknown and not know what's going to come next. And, you know, he's been, he's been instrumental in terms of like camp camp and Ruby and red versus blue. But like, I don't know. I, I don't know if like burnout uh, applied to, to this particular decision or if it was just wanting to try different things, but I know what it feels like to, you know, be in, even in a job that you love to just feel this sense of like, I think it's time for something different. That doesn't mean like that the the job that you have is bad or anything like that. It's just that you feel like you need a change. And I don't know if that's the thought process that went into his decision to go, but like obviously it couldn't have been an easy decision to make. So I applaud him for if he feels like he needs to change, like a change. I applaud him for taking that step because it's a scary one. Yeah. What do you think, Stacey? I mean, I absolutely agree with what Megan was saying. Um, I, too, found out through someone panicking on Twitter and had to quickly, like, go and put all the pieces together. <laughs> um, and I think, I think, yeah, I mean, we don't know if it had anything to do with burnout. But honestly, he is such a creative force, such an immense talent who has contributed so much. And, yeah, maybe we just got to the point where, these things they're off they're flying maybe it's time to go and start a new project to branch out and begin the creative process all over again i think that that's this very scary uh but admirable too so uh glad to hear he's going to be sticking around for the voice acting and continuing to be a part of some of our favorite things yeah i i, I agree with that katie I also found out on Twitter, it's <laughs> Twitter card right here, and I was just shocked. Like, I did not see this coming. This really took me by surprise. So, yeah, I honestly haven't gotten much further past that. Like, I'm sure he's got a reason. I just, I, personally, I'm the sort of person where I get somewhere, I get comfortable, I get stable, and then I'm like, this is good. I like this. I'll stay. So, when people don't do that, I have to stop and readjust my entire mindset and go, but why? 
and I'm not really past that yet. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying it's it's taken a bit for that to sink in because he's brought so much to the company and been such a big part of especially the animated side of Rooster Teeth that it's gonna be a little weird not to have him there as a cornerstone, even though, yeah, he is coming back for Jean. I would imagine if there was more Camp Camp, he would come back for that too. Like, he's not gonna disappear into the ether and we'll never see him again. It's just he's no longer going to be working directly for the company. It's a change, but it's not necessarily a bad one. Agreed. And also, he hasn't necessarily been on screen a lot, so it's not like an abrupt, oh, by the way, I'm done with the company. Like, he hasn't been on Backwards Compatible. He hasn't been on the RT podcast. They haven't done um, the anime show, of which I can't remember the name of, but he hasn't necessarily been super active as an on-screen person. So it it that makes me think that he's been trying to get some other stuff off the ground. I mean, he was the flippin' Energizer Bunny, for goodness sakes. Which is <laughs> a true. huge role to, to lock down. So he, ha- he seems to have some aspirations outside the company, and I can understand if you don't feel like you're moving, having a, a higher, a forward trajectory anymore, then you gotta, you gotta readjust. And if, also... If he feels comfortable enough to be able to just stop, uh, re-analyze and continue in another direction, that's one brave and also really lucky, really fortuitous. I, I'm happy that he has the ability that it's not something that was taken away from him, but something that he can go, you know what, I need to change course. And with him leaving, that seemed to bring up a little bit more when it comes to camp camp and it's one of the things that i had kind of been offhandedly commenting about during the show is we've seen so much around like there's stuff in the sizzle they've got the uh the cardboard cutouts in the background etc etc so i was like well what does this mean for camp camp i guess i'll just wait and see you know i'm not i'm not and i don't think anybody should be one to flood a creator's inbox saying, where's this thing that you're supposed to make for me? But apparently people did that enough to Jordan Sweers for him to make a post on his Tumblr regarding Camp Camp. And it provided a new piece of information for Camp Camp and for Nomad of Nowhere that didn't necessarily think about. So in addressing the idea that Camp Camp is canceled, his response was, this is false. We do not actively cancel shows we own and or produce because there is no benefit to that. However, in the new Rooster Teeth business model, Camp Camp is now an RT Studios show, which means that we no longer have the ability to produce it on our own. So we are actively shopping it and looking for a partner to help make it. When will this happen? I don't know. But rest assured, we are doing our best and have not given up on it. And some of the other questions that he was asking was referencing Miles' direct interaction, but just because he's gone doesn't mean that everything's going to fall apart. Uh, so there was that, but at the bottom of the post, it also said, this pretty much applies for any show we're trying to make on the studio side, like Nomad of Nowhere. So that just went from a 0% return rate to so you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> is, that, is, is that a is that a 
Is that a maybe? Sounds like a solid maybe to me. <laughs> Sound and maybe. I mean, this, this makes a lot of sense to me. We know that Rooster Teeth was acquired. We know that they are answering to more than just the people who work directly for the company now. Like the fact that there are changes in their structure and business changes don't really surprise me. Animation costs money. And it's just a matter at this point of finding the right partner who is willing to throw money at this property and go, yes, this looks like it could be doable. Here you go. Did anybody have any thoughts on on this post or, or what this could mean for Camp Camp, uh, Megan, Stacey? Uh, I, I, honestly, it was it was nice to just get some word because both uh, Camp Camp and Nomad of Nowhere have been in limbo that even though it's unfortunate that it had to take people pestering Jordan (laughs) about it because Miles was leaving, you know, the circumstances aren't great, but I'm glad that finally we got some word, um, in regards to both of those shows that we here at, at the rooster team very much enjoy. It was just nice to get news. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so, Oh, it's a weird time. It's a weird time. 2020 has been a weird time <laughs> overall, but it, it's nice to hear something. Stacy, what do you think? Agreed. I appreciate the transparency, although maybe not the means of getting it. Uh, but uh, all right. Hope's back up for camp camp. Let's go. You're telling me. And now I'm like, okay, what does Warner Brothers own? What is this at HBO Max? And I'm just like going through all of like Deku mumbling, writing in a notepad. <laughs> Who are we tweeting at every day? Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on, on that note, you've, you've all been very polite in saying it. And I'm just going to come right out and say it because sometimes you really need someone to just be fucking blunt. Stop it. Just we, we understand that you are concerned, but flooding someone's inbox, flooding their mentions, etc. doesn't generally help. The fact that Jordan took the time to answer everyone's questions and to reassure us was something he did out of the goodness of his own heart. He was not obligated to do it. And it's that sort of thing when there is a young child who's pestering you for ice cream and the more he asks for ice cream, the less you want to give it to him. You don't want to be the five-year-old asking for ice cream. If someone is not giving you information on a media property, there is often a reason that they cannot do that. And that reason usually has the initials N, D, and A. So be patient, keep your eyes open. And then when someone does give you information, thank them. In this like, regard, NDA stands for no David. Oh, <laughs> I don't mean it. Of course not. He, he'll, he'll return. Yeah. I'd like the project was so important to miles that I can't imagine him not coming back to voice David. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, support your creators, tell them, thank you for the stuff they do. And uh, please do not be among the masses that continually say, where's this, where's this, where's that? Why haven't you done that? Because that sucks. <laughs> well, and and not, uh, not necessarily related directly to that, but it also sounds like they are planning on bringing um, Miles in as a freelance writer on Camp Camp as well, just like they do with some of their other freelance writers. So it's, 
uh, you know, it's not just the voice stuff that he'd be coming back for. Uh, his voice is not going to be, his metaphorical voice, in addition to his <laughs> literal voice, are not going to be gone from the company forever, forever. So, yeah, things to look forward to. Speaking of supporting your creators, you can support us by heading to your podcast provider of choice and leaving a review. iTunes, Spotify, uh, I don't know if Google Podcasts are still a thing because they've just been sort of conglomerating everything. But anywhere that you receive podcasts, it helps us get our episodes out there, the more people talk about them. So whether that's retweeting us on Twitter or leaving us reviews on iTunes, we don't have any new ones. But if you are new to the show and like it, leave us a review and we'll read it on air. We thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate it. If you want to support the show a little bit more directly, you can head to tpublic.com slash the rooster team. Let me double check that that's correct because it's been a minute since I've done this plug. Boop, 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 boop. Just jogging for Yep. Wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, where's our show? Wait, wait, where's our store? tpublic.com slash user slash the rooster team. That's what it is. And if you're listening <laughs> right now, there's actually a sale going on right now for the next day. So if you're listening to this like as it releases, you got a day and you can go get some of our sweet designs on sale like our Break Their Legs, Welcome to Vale, Only Papas, our, our list of all of the stuff that we do, one of Katie's favorite, Media Has Ruined Me, or uh, anything with, uh, with the RTR logo on it. We humbly appreciate it. Uh, or also head to anchor.com slash the rooster team. That's where we push out all of our audio episodes and you could also sign up for a paid subscription which helps us meet up just a little bit more and knows that it helps us know that you care we appreciate the tweets the reviews anything and everything including any of the interaction that we have on our discord which you should join the link is down below joined we've been playing among among us recently megan and i were playing with the community the other night and that was equally terrifying and amazing yeah Oh, so, so fun. Oh, so, so, like, I, I get to live out the thing, the plot of the thing when I get to play this game. It's so great. Yeah, so make sure to join the Discord. We talk about things other than Rooster Teeth. And we have uh, game nights every now and again. And sometimes we develop se- severe trust issues with uh, the people in the Discord by playing Among Us. So if you want to develop severe trust issues, join the Discord. But uh, <laughs> if... If you, Sign me up. if you want to support us another way you can also support our sponsors and katie uh i wanted to tell the people about our current sponsor of course our sponsor this episode as always is fred he bakes he does cookies the cookies are amazing you should absolutely order them his uh flagship cookie is the brown sugar buddy it's like a cross between a molasses cookie and a spice cookie and a ginger snap it is soft it is chewy it is a uh, amazing and if you prefer a slightly more fall flavor to your cookies because we're we're hitting that point pumpkin spice lattes have been out at starbucks for like a month now we are in fall uh he is doing a maple brown sugar buddy so it's all of that wonderful spice goodness and also maple both of those cookies are a amazing dipped in your hot morning drink of choice your coffee your tea your hot cocoa your whatever the heck it is you drink your spiced apple cider Imagine a maple spice cookie with your spiced apple cider. Super good. 
and he is also doing what he calls big chip buddies. These are cookies the size of your fist, if not bigger, stuffed with chocolate chips. They look like if you ever go to Costco and you see those gigantic muffins and they sell them like 12 to a thing. It's like if you cut the top off of that muffin and instead of a muffin top, it was a cookie. That's about the size and shape of them. They are pretty dang big. So you can get the Big Chip Buddies, the Brown Sugar Buddies, and the Maple Brown Sugar Buddies all at fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. He's also doing uh, combo boxes. So if you just want a couple of each to try them all out, you can get them there. And you can use our coupon code, the Rooster Team, for 20% off your entire order. That's fredhebakes.com and coupon code, the Rooster Team. Treat yourself. You deserve it. Yes, thank you, Fred. And thank you, everybody, again, for listening. And thank you to everybody who sent us questions. This being the place of our panel that we would have at RTX, we went to the crowd, the the group that came to listen, and asked for some questions about RTX, some of the shows that we cover. And so let's get into some of these. Uh, Our first question is from Tired Placebo at Tegan underscore Fox. Given the circumstances they had to work around, do you think Rooster Teeth could have done differently slash better? Who wants to take this one first? Uh, I'll go. Uh, I think given the circumstances they did, especially for not having done this before and with the world just being in the weird state that it's in, I think given the circumstances for a first go, they did as well as they could have possibly done. The the downside of that is instead of it being a big social party, which is, you know, there's press stuff, obviously. There's big, important media, a lot of handshaking, stuff like that. But, like, what I miss about RTX is getting to hang out and party with my friends <laughs> for a couple days. And, um that's not what this was this year. We get the fun panels um, and those were great, but I was also at work and I couldn't give the panels my undivided attention like I would if I was in the room. And so that that's kind of a bummer, but that's not the fault of anybody at Rooster Teeth. It's just kind of the world we're living in right now. So I think given the circumstances, apart from the occasional tech issue here and there, um, it was as good as it could have been. I would have liked a little bit more audience interaction, if that makes any sense. But I know that that's really hard to do online. I just I just miss hanging out with my friends. That's all. Yeah, that's essentially what I take from it, too. Like, bottom line, I am incredibly grateful that we got RTX in any capacity because the year of our Lord 2020 has been a time. And so the fact that they were able and willing to come together and to give us all of these panels and to give them to us back to back to back as opposed to, well, there's five panels going on at the same time in different places and you got to pick the one you want to be in, which is the normal convention experience. Like I didn't miss having to pick and choose things on the schedule and I definitely did not miss running around in 100 degree, 70% humidity Austin heat. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's the upside to having RTX at home is central AC. Um, I think they did well. I think maybe they could benefit from tech checks in terms of some mic levels and also, dear God, that echo. But that was just the one panel. But yeah, 
given what they had and given what they wanted to do and what they were able to put together, like my nitpicks are, it's a difficult thing to do time zone wise because I was working and oh God, the echo on that one panel. And you know, in the overall scheme of things, those are just nitpicks. What about you, Stacey? Agreed. These were unfamiliar waters. I mean, any con that is trying to pull their things to this virtual world and still create that same con experience, everyone's testing the waters. We're trying new things. So I think, of course, there are things that we can do, especially the community aspect. Hopefully, they'll find a way to tie more community in because, like Megan said, the social aspect is one of the best things about cons, being able to sit down and watch panels and wait in long lines all just part of the experience (laughs) but as far as putting the panels together I think it was nice to have a spread out schedule uh, even if it did conflict with work and make it very difficult to watch Uh, it was nice they were all you know not scheduled on top of each other so pros and cons there Uh, overall though I think think they had a good working model i think looking back there's always things you could think you can do better uh i'm not the expert to come up with the (laughs) big grinding gears of that though so i i agree with with everybody here i think having everything sort of streamlined in panel after panel after panel made it more difficult to like oh we missed that one what else is there oh let's go and do this i think the the lack of variety as well. Like it's, it's one thing it streamlines and more people watch more stuff, but like there was always something to do. And so if there was a panel that you didn't like, you could walk downtown or go play this demo or whatever. So if there was some sort of a demo or like different interactive stuff that they could have offered demos for, for the two week period, then I think that could have given us a little bit more of a feel of RTX of like, oh, well, then I can play this game while watching this panel or whatever. And the only other thing that that is really kind of a nitpick, though I understand why they did it, I wish that they had all of their merch drops at once because there was sort of a panel by panel by panel by panel. Oh, here's this exclusive thing we're doing for this. Oh, here's this exclusive thing we're doing for this. And so... My wife and I had two RTX merch orders because the first couple of days it was like, oh, here's this release. And then the next week they had another set of exclusive releases. And so we ended up, I think it ended up coming or it's going to end up in total coming in like three packages and we paid shipping a couple times. So I, I, it's, it's different to walk into the store and just go grab, 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 grab. Okay, I'm done. And then the couple of things that you were like, "Eh, did I want that? You know, like just before the con is over and they have the buy one, get one free on everything. Like something to, something to emulate that I think would have been fun, but ultimately, yeah, it ultimately they did what they can and it was good. (laughs) And I should also point out that they made the right call. Uh, This goes without saying they made the right call doing it virtually and doing it from home as much as we miss the social aspect of it it was the responsible choice la comic-con looking at you name drop but yeah i I shame them 
Seriously, shame them. Everybody shame should them tweet them publicly. Tweet them. Tweet them. For real those hard. who are not local to Los Angeles, LA Comic Con would have had their would have had their convention over Halloween weekend announced a good while ago that they were delaying it and then has insisted that they are going forward with a convention with an in-person convention in December which for one goes against all of the uh all of the precautions that LA has in place especially in terms of what can and cannot be open and I would like to compare this to the other LA-based convention that I go to on the regular, Gallifrey One, which is a Doctor Who convention, which takes place in February. It was the last event I did before COVID really hit in force in the US, and they announced several weeks ago, hey, we're not doing next year's con. We're going to bump it back to 2022 because they can look at things and go, you know, it's entirely possible that this whole COVID thing won't be cleared up in four months so maybe we should err on the side of caution take care of our attendees and just not do the thing until we've got this pandemic thing figured out so props to gallifrey and god damn it la comic con disney just announced that for d23 as well they're skipping 2021 and going to 2022 which is wild but also they can afford it yeah but like (laughs) if disneyland isn't open you should damn well not be running your convention no excuses. Well, at the same time, Disney World is open, so... Yeah, but that's Florida. I mean, you're right, but still. <laughs> I just... Just... You know... Yeah. Just... No, I know, I live yeah. here. I know. I know. <laughs> just in general, if one of the largest polls to people from all over is not open because of a pandemic, then maybe your slightly smaller poll to people from all over should also not be open, you raving maniacs. Yeah, we're all raving maniacs. Speaking of raving maniacs, executive producer Dick Wolf asks, uh, hi, Justin, I don't think you're raving. What one (laughs) word do you think sums up the overall vibe of this RTX? Katie. Hype. Fair enough. Stacey? Enthusiasm. (laughs) <laughs> Mekin. excited damn it all three of those were mine so i'm gonna say couch <laughs> so we have yes. three synonyms for hype and then couch dude i don't know what your what language you speak but couch is hype to me man after a long day of work shoot you know what? yeah couch, nothing hype, is couch, more hype, hype than couch, that hype. Ooh, dude I'm, I'm all for the hype couch dude snick had their whole ad campaign revolved around a couch and that was hype as hell this is true. Yeah, yeah, they made staying in on a Saturday night, staring at your TV, sound really cool and appealing. I... So I've been doing it for 30 years, <laughs> right? And now it is the reality. I rest my case. Dude, that COVID prep since Snick, man, I'm telling you. Um, Halcyon Traveler on Discord asks, are you guys thinking of making an episode on the Grim campaign at some point? Megan, did you want to take this one too? Uh, I mean... I've been, I'm not completely caught up with it, but I've been watching it. And as I, as I mentioned last week, it's been fun. Uh, I love all things Ruby. And so getting to get something a little bit more lighthearted that focuses on four agents of chaos, just kind of Leroy Jenkinsing their way uh, through problems. uh, It's, it's been really enjoyable. uh, And 
I, I know that everybody who was involved with it had a lot of fun doing it. So I don't know. I Maybe they'll do more. Uh, as far as whether or not we want to do an episode of it, I think we'd have to take that to a vote. <laughs> do we want to do like a special bonus episode where we all sit down, listen to it, and then talk about it? Maybe. Sounds like fun. It's a lot of stuff to catch up on, but... If we did do it, it would probably be just like a one shot. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, we wouldn't be doing like a, a Tox Machina after show for it. Um, but like we could sit down and do a bonus episode talking about like what we liked, what, um, you know, what were our favorite characters. We, we There's something there if the interest is there. I, I guess <laughs> the real question is, do you guys who listen to us want to hear us talk about the Grim campaign? I don't think they would have asked if they didn't <laughs> want to hear us talk about it. Generally speaking, they'll they'll listen to our nonsense no matter what we're talking about. Yeah, this is true. We uh, love you guys. Okay, then my answer is I'd like to. Would you guys like to join me? <laughs> Maybe. It's just going to be Megan talking about it for an hour straight. It's going to be great. Then the three of us come in after that, just going, "Yeah, that pretty much covers it." She got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. will just be me sitting in front of a microphone by myself rolling dice for an hour. That will be that will be the, <laughs> that will be the discussion. Don't the threaten our audience will... with a good time. Yeah, hold on. This actually sounds great. I'm <laughs> oh, one person campaign that you DM yourself. <laughs> it's just me with my ruby figurines and it's just that scene from Spaceballs with Darth Helmet playing with his toys. Now I am the master. <laughs> I, I also I the, see you playing with your dolls again, sir. I didn't I only heard this from the panel and I didn't know that this was the case, but it it makes me want to listen to it a little bit more. And I still do have a full intent on doing it. But the having the game master be called the headmaster is hilarious as hell and I adore that. Wonderful. Yeah. It was an excellent choice. I mean, I think Eddie would say it beats Lord Daddy, but I don't think anything beats Nothing Lord Daddy. No. Lord Daddy. Nothing he and no one. one. No, he can't. Nope. Nothing and no one can beat Lord Daddy. I mean, he tweeted it out. I don't know what he expects. It's his own damn fault. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> he gave it to us. He cannot take it away. Yes. <laughs> because it is my name and I cannot have another. <laughs> Our next question, just because how, how do you pivot? How do you pivot from Lord Daddy? Um, our, you don't. You let it settle, and then you move on. Our next question is from Mod and friend of the show, Caitlin Geddes, at Real Miss K Rose. What is the announcement so far that has you the most hyped? Let's start with Stacy. Books. I don't know if this kind of like true announcements, but the books. <laughs> I mean, That's we're getting awesome. a second Genlock book. I'm here for it. Bring it. What about you, Katie? I legit had a moment of her name's not Maud, and then I it took me a minute to catch up and go, oh, moderator, yeah, okay, uh, dead little roosters, and everyone who was expecting me to say red versus blue, right? No, fucking dead little roosters, y'all. <laughs> what about you, Megan? Uh, I mean, dead little roosters is definitely up there, but like. I would. It would be disingenuous of me to say anything besides Ruby Volume Eight. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. I can't wait. I cannot wait. And 
even though we how and what we talked about it i'm excited to see what they do with grudge night because it's a whole new it's a whole new world of a production type for them and to see how they can make that work in live and from home will be interesting also yes to all of the things that the rest of the team said too but i didn't just want to echo everybody (laughs) my goodness okay uh this next one is a little bit serious but i did want to kind of talk about it this one's from chris campbell at chris chrisarasaurus and uh stand by because this one's a little bit long with genlock's impending return shouldn't there be a conversation about production crunch and how it affected not only the humans of the genlock pipeline but in retrospect seems to have impacted adjacent projects in rt animation as resources were shifted around alternatively uh, RT's tendency toward radio silence on awkward topics versus their promise to take better care of folk who make these shows. I want to support the projects, and God knows I'd love more Genlock, but only if it doesn't kill our beloved crew. Again, awkward, but important. Yes, this is a bit of a serious topic to consider, but looking at how the pipeline of Genlock has been affected by all of this, to the sense where it still looks like we're in very much in pre-production considering that it was 2018 when the show debuted and everybody's just chomping at the bit chomping at the bit we've got the dc comic series we've got two books one one imminent so it feels like it was a hard lesson there was a big shakeup when it came to who was running the animation department and there's a lot of how to put this? It it seems like there's a lot of care being done to make sure that that type of activity doesn't happen again. Now, I don't know if that's due to an increase in sort of locking down behaviors or locking down like people commenting in on certain avenues. But ever since that time period the only other time that we had heard that there were some problems was when there was the big, like uh, all of those releases. And since then there hasn't necessarily been any activity when it comes to negativity revolving all of this stuff. So it seems like at the very least the studio is on the right track and we can only hope that it stays that way. And the best way to do so would be to, follow like take a look at the credits take a look at the credits of your favorite shows find them on social media follow them and make sure that they're okay check in on them tweet hey how you doing how's the season going or maybe not how the season's going that may be a little bit too much but just you know if if you care about this team let them know you know hey i really loved the the sequence in this episode because usually knowing al and molly they'll tweet out what they worked on so i can assume that any of the other crew is like holy crap look at the sequence that i got to work on and then that gives you the opportunity to share in that love of that sequence with that creator so that would really be my my only thing and if anybody else wants to comment on this feel free but i feel like they're on the right track and if you want to support these creators find them support them tumblr like whatever social media they're on and also be a fan of like their other work too like their their independent work or if they work on other shows if they're freelancers or or whatever just 
supporting the artists can keep everything on the right track as well as as much as possible does does anybody else have anything else to say or was Uh, that yeah yeah um i mean we talked uh, a little bit about this uh during last year's rtx wrap-up um you know we we had a long discussion about crunch and uh about how that's not something that rooster teeth alone has had issues with it is an industry-wide problem in animation in video games in anime uh specifically there are a lot of areas in entertainment that you know there's been there's been a lot over the last couple years where entertainment just the industry as a whole has needed to look at itself in the mirror and go okay we've got some issues and we need to address them. And I feel like certain areas of the industry have been better about addressing them than others. I think in the wake of our discussion last year, Rooster Teeth has taken a lot of steps to improve what was seemingly a very mismanaged animation department. And it sucks to say, but like the fact of the matter is, is that yeah, it wasn't being run as well as it could be. And I really appreciate that they are taking steps to fix that. Um, towards the beginning of the... Was it the beginning of this year where they, uh, Rooster Teeth, sadly announced a bunch of layoffs as well? Um, I believe that I was earlier know. this year. Yeah, if not earlier that, this year, late last year. That was that was disconcerting. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know what the full business repercussions of that has been or you know what sort of impact that has had on uh, you know a lot of the people who had jobs and then they didn't i mean josh flanagan was one of those people who parted ways with rooster teeth at that time but has since come back to work on 10 little dead little roosters which is exciting and great um but again as far as overall human impact i i'll be honest i don't know what the overall human impact of that has been and then boom covid hit on top of everything um so you know that i i was really appreciative of rooster teeth seemingly to taking the stay at home orders seriously and making remote working available for everybody um i just hope that they have taken those lessons to heart and that they are putting the health and well-being of their their crew and their cast at as their utmost priority you know it's their health and well-being and then the show that they're making second that's what i'm i'm hoping it is although i know i know entertainment's rough <laughs> i know i know it's tough out there um but i'm hoping that they're taking those right steps and Honestly, looking at the the panel for the talent that's behind um, this upcoming season of Red vs. Blue and for the talent behind the upcoming season of Genlock, I have confidence that they are heading in the right direction as well. Not only from a, hey, let's not overwork our employees standpoint, but from a representation standpoint as well. I'd like to kind of, it's not necessarily the flip side of that, but I would also like to add that as fans, we might have to make peace with the fact that we may never know for sure. We're, we're going to go back to, you know, the documents with the initials N, D, and A. 
there's only so much that we can know. There's only so much that we are allowed to know. There's only so much that people are allowed to say, especially while they're still other, under contract with the company. So the best that we can do, like Megan said, is look at what we saw in these panels and see how excited people are to be working on things. And then, like Mark said, going out and supporting the individual storyboarders, animators, riggers, etc. There's, we, we have to make peace with, one, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. And two, we will never know the whole story. So you have to understand that those are both facts and then make a decision for yourself whether or not you want to support and that's a decision that every individual fan is going to need to make for themselves but that being said also don't be afraid to call out bad behavior when oh, you yes. see it <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely because i mean that's one of the reasons why the industry is changing and having to self-reflect is people coming forward and saying hey this isn't okay <laughs> So call out bad behavior when you see it. I think you guys nailed it. Um, I think we are kind of in a weird space right now, um, especially in this kind of quarantine world where all we have is media to consume and there's a lot of demand, you know, for things to come out and keep coming out and come out faster. And I think it's also A, to call out that bad behavior, but also to temper our own behavior not act demanding and try to put pressure in places. We know what goes into making shows, whether it's animated, live action, uh, emphasis on animated here because that's a safe quarantine production. <laughs> Straight up. It's, it's a difficult subject to talk about, but it's we're at a time in the world where we have to talk about difficult things in order for things to get better. And I'm happy that through all of this change social change whatever you want to refer to it as over this past summer that rooster teeth has gone even further to make sure that there's it's a better um environment for all of their um all of their workers our next question comes from another mod, friend of the show, Cam Griffin at Pink Bile, who asks, you've all spent some time working closely alongside media fan culture in one way or another. How, if at all, has your experience affected your views on fan cultures and fandoms in general? I'd like to start with Stacy on this one. Fandom is one of, I think, one of the places I felt most accepted throughout my life, and a place that I've watched evolve into many different branches now. Uh, I think fandoms have the potential to be absolutely wonderful and also toes the line into some not so great negative behaviors that we see a lot more often that have to do with entitlement and gatekeeping. Uh, Over... (laughs) I mean, I've had an overwhelmingly positive experience with fandom, and I think that there is great power in being able to come together and share joy and share life experience and growth through fandoms and through your shared love of something. I think it's a very... Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I (laughs) adore fandom. Um, (laughs) I just think some people need to calm down 
fandom is both enriching and exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Two E's, man, two E's. I have had, I have met some of my best friends in fandom. I have met friends where I have been friends with them for over a decade because of fandom, because of internet, because Kingdom Hearts was a big one for a while there. It's that sort of thing where shared love of something, whatever that something is, can really bring people together. But it can also cause so, so many issues. And this also ties into your IRL social skills, your internet etiquette, how you approach problems, how you approach other people. Where Stacy mentioned the gatekeeping. I also want to go with purity culture, which I don't know where it came from, but I need it to calm the fuck down. There's, I have had some incredible, wonderful experiences in fandom. And I have also had some experiences in fandom where I just want to throw the entire fandom out the window and say that no one else is ever allowed to experience this piece of media again but me. So it's uh, part of it is moderating your own experience. Part of it is understanding that some people are open to be taught internet etiquette and some people really super aren't and figuring out which people it's it's a little bit like in real life which people are going to enrich your life and which people are just going to cause problems and it just and i keep coming back to ndas because that's where we are but knowing that some people who are fans of media properties and go off half cocked and go herring down an entire rabbit hole and just go nuts on theories not on the content of the media itself, but on the production side, who don't seem to understand that everyone working on this sucker is under a non-disclosure agreement and don't seem to actually understand anything about how animation, animation is generally where I run into this, about where media is produced or how media is produced or how long that pipeline can be. And it can be frustrating not to be able to talk to them about it because people become so certain they're right and then they bring other people with them. And it just, like I said, it can be truly exhausting sometimes. And I would not trade the good experiences for the world. I do want to lay that down. I do want to say that because fandom has been a huge part of my life, even more so after the internet came into my life. And it's, it has been the foundation of a lot of friendships and occasional opportunities. And I wouldn't have met you guys without fandom. Full stop. All y'all. Fair. And I appreciate the hell out of that. And I love you guys. It just, it also, you need to understand that not everything is great. And we need, as fans, to work much, much harder at... I hesitate to use the phrase policing our own spaces, given life right now. Moderating our own spaces. Helping people who are exhibiting toxic toxic behavior to understand what the issue with their behavior is and if they'd be willing to learn to make it better, if they'd be willing to learn to express opinions instead of hammering other people for having opinions that are different from theirs. Like, we... We have to kind of bring the conversation back into this, but we also have to 
work harder at making our spaces better places to be. It can't just be, well, I'm a good gaming fan. I don't tell women to get back in the kitchen and I don't tilt. That's great. Do your friends tell women to get back in the kitchen when they go on comms? Then maybe talk to your friends about not being dicks. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, talk to your friends about not being dicks today. So yeah, I love fandom, but I also really need fandom to chill the fuck out and be a lot more welcoming to people. You don't have to be right. You just have to care about each other. It's a two-way street. Just because you have this one thing in common with somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you have everything in common with somebody. And I think it's easy to forget, especially if you're younger in the space, to look at that and go, oh, we have this in common. We have so much in common. You got to be aware of your surroundings. You got to be aware of how and i'll I'll be honest you just got to be a little bit more aware of how much you might have in common with somebody because you don't know if they're catfishing you and i know that (laughs) i know that's really a serious topic but really you got to watch your own you got to watch your own back but hopefully you can find a community where somebody else can keep an eye on it for you and i'd like to think that we have at least the building blocks of that with our discord community and the, the our listeners and, and things of that nature. Like the, the people that we mentioned earlier, the group that has been playing among us together the past couple of, uh, of nights or the, the Jackbox night, Jackbox nights that we've been having. It's a, it's a way to just get to know people and make those spaces between us even uh, tighter and, and not sort of limited by space. But in that, having also the responsibility for your fellow fans and making sure that it can be a safe space for everybody to express themselves, whether it's directly related to that fandom or anything else that it might be. Um, I think to, to answer Cam's question, my response would be um, in terms of just how our experience in particular has affected my view on fan culture and just fandoms in general. I think, my answer would be perspective. I come at fandom from a bit of a different, um, from a bit of a different angle, I think, than everybody else on this particular panel. Um, when I was a kid, I, I grew up and I, I had friends who had shared interests in, you know, the, the, the nerdy things that I was into, like Pokemon and video games and um, Sailor Moon and all that other stuff. But outside of that core group of friends, I really wasn't very vocal about the things that I liked because I was afraid I'd get made fun of. Um, And so even to an extent to this day, when I start falling in love with something in particular, I will keep it to myself and view the fandom from afar, which has been made a lot easier (laughs) with the internet um, and social media and everything like that. Um, It was a lot harder to do when you're a kid, but, um, but yeah, so my kind of go-to strategy when I find something, whether it's a movie or a TV show or uh, a podcast that I love is like, I adore this thing. Now I'll never talk to anyone about it ever. And I'll just sit here and quietly pine for it <laughs> 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 all by my lonesome. Um, but 
we are very, very, very fortunate in the fact that we have uh, a, a bit of a platform, which is something, I, I mean, to an extent, everybody with a social media presence has a platform, but we are very, very fortunate in how we were able to create ours. Uh, as humble as it might be, we do have a platform and we we have been blessed in the fandom space. And I, I feel like I, I speak for everybody when we say how grateful we are for that, because having a bit of a platform does give us a little bit of a different perspective. And for me, not only is it, you know, wonderful getting to use my, my telecommunications degree uh, to some extent, um, getting to, to chat with writers and directors and voice actors and, you know, all of the other wonderful things that we've gotten to do, um, because we have a platform, you know, we, we have been very blessed in that regard and I am exceedingly grateful for that. But the, the flip side of that is also having a group of people who, we talk to on a regular basis is a very, very new thing for me. I, I didn't really know what it felt like to be a part of a fandom community before we all started podcasting (laughs) together, if that makes any sense, because I didn't really go to conventions and I, I didn't, uh, like I said, outside of core group of friends I didn't talk to people on the internet I would look at fan art and I would occasionally read fan fiction but I would always view fandom from afar I didn't know how fun it was to actually get to participate in it and so being blessed with a a fandom community that we can you know I can pull up my phone and chat with people on our discord at any given point in time or we can all hop on to a game of Among Us or Jackbox or whatever. It's genuinely something that if you had sat down next to 12-year-old Megan and told her she'd be able to do one day, she wouldn't have believed you. (laughs) And then she would have gotten up and been like, whatever, I don't even want to do that anyway. It's fine. I'm fine. I don't even like that stuff. (laughs) Soon, soon, derry, derry. (laughs) Jesus. She would have asked if... She would have asked if you had the same IM username. <laughs> Which was terrible, by the way. <laughs> oh, same. That that can we can save those for another time. Um, we're already kind of getting long in the tooth. This, so yeah. we appreciate yeah. every, we appreciate everybody's questions. We appreciate everybody's listenership. But we do have one final question from Young Bro on Discord, who asks, "What RT show currently on definite or indefinite hiatus would you bring back for one last final season?" And I think I'll start with Megan on this one. Well. One last final one, like when the question was just hiatus, um, my first was uh, Nomad. Bring bring back Nomad. Uh, I, I I know it's not canceled, given what Jordan had to say earlier, but bring back Nomad. But one final season? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I want season, more than one season of Nomad. <laughs> the season can be fifty episodes long. Oh, okay, Lord. then then Nomad. <laughs> <laughs> then Nomad. Nomad is my answer. Katie. Crunch time. Hmm. Not actually kidding. I. Uh, 
my usual approach to shows where everyone is an asshole is I don't like this. I don't care about this. I don't want to be here. I want to watch something else. Because if you don't give me a character to latch onto, I don't want it. Crunch Time had a show where everyone was an asshole and I loved it. That is unheard of for me. And I was interested in the plot and I was interested in this cadre of assholes and I just want to know how it ends. I gotta know. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Stacy, what about you? All right, my 50 episodes of Camp Camp. I would like Camp Camp. I would like those now. I will take however many episodes of Camp Camp it needs, Stacy. I am 100% with you. But for the sake of a different name or for a different show, a different property, I'd have to say X-Ray and Vav because it just it just kind of ended. I was a big fan of that style of comedy. I was a big fan of Achievement Hunter and and all of that stuff. And I think now that the brand has kind of it also ended on a cliffhanger. But now that the brand has gotten a bit of a kick in the pants and we have new talent, one, it'd be nice to hear Ray again, even though he's super busy streaming. But ultimately, if we can get also, it put Lindsay, it puts Lindsay back in the writer's chair. And I think she deserves as many uh, as many goes as she can get because she's a flipping genius. Um, so my answer would be X-Ray and Vav. I like it. <laughs> All I, of I actually, these. All of these. I, I have the Blu-ray. I should pop it in and listen to some of that commentary. But uh, that's going to do it for our four-hour RTX panel <laughs> that we would that never have too. gotten approved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't. You have a hard time beating our previous RTX panel where we had exactly 69 attendees. <laughs> oh, nice. Never going nice. to live that up. No, we nice. peaked. We peaked. Yeah, that's why they <laughs> didn't. They they found out who how many people were in a crowd, and they went, "Well, we can't let them do that again." Nope. <laughs> it was too good. Going out on top <laughs> as opposed to on power bottom. So that'll do it for this episode <laughs> of Rooster Team Radio. <laughs> Before we go, um, just a, a quick thank you to everybody who's contributed to the show over the years, and for this particular show, thank you to everybody who. Uh, got in line to ask us some questions um but also make sure to support us leave us if you if you're listening to us for the first time subscribe and uh, leave us a review on itunes and support us on t public follow us on twitter at the rooster team and you can follow us all individually stacy where can the folks find you uh, you can find me on Twitter and occasionally Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. Uh, honestly, I am pretty much just playing Hades nowadays. <laughs> And rightfully so. That game, that game rules. It's the best. Yeah, dude. Uh, Katie, how about you? You can follow me all over the social medias, as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I am actually using that Twitch channel now. If anyone wants to see me play Overwatch hard stuck in bronze, which is not great. <laughs> if anyone wants to see the bronze experience for themselves, that's on that Twitch channel. If you like reactions to Rooster Teeth properties and other things, that's on that YouTube channel. And I am also on another podcast called On The Point, where my co-host and I talk about all things Overwatch and Overwatch League. It's a good time. Join us. Megan? 
I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things. And I am also on a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we discuss. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Bidonica. That's where you can find me on most social media networks, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitch. I had my first DJ stream, which was uh, electronica themed. I called it electronica. It was a hell of a time. And nice. I, I really enjoyed some of the music that I got to mix together. I got dumb ideas for how I, like crossing over these various things. And uh, to be able to put it out into the world was fun. And I'm really surprised that Twitch hasn't just muted the entire stream. They're just small blocks where you'll miss out on some stuff. But that, go check it out. It's it's in my, um, my recent streams if you want to give it a look. And I might, honestly, I might just rebroadcast it because I recorded it for posterity. Um, thank you again. To everybody who has been supporting us over the years, everybody who's listened, we've got a big slate of stuff coming up for the for the rest of the year. We're going to figure out how we're going to do all of that. But for now, thank you for joining us for this RTX panel on Rooster Team Radio. We'll see you next time. <laughs>